So for those who have not been here lately, um, or if you've forgotten from last week, Greg's been in a sermon series called More, and looking at specific verses where the Bible uses the word more and talks about um, what we are in Christ, that we're more valuable, um, God can do more than all we ask or imagine. And as a part of that today, we had a specific story that we wanted to share with you because there is a story that's happened within our church family that's been more, I think, than what someone thought it was going to be. And so a few years ago... Uh, one of our students in middle school and then in high school played football, grew up in Iola, Texas, um, and was such a delight and such a great young man. And we watched him go to Kansas um, and spend some time in the football program there and then come back to the homeland, to College Station, to A&M, and, uh, and participate academically at first, but then move into football and then to wear, to wear number 46 on the field this year. Um, and to have great success in the field, but even greater success in life and in his faith. And so we have a video of that before Greg comes and preaches today of our own Ryan Rennick. So please watch the video right now. I'm from Iola, Texas. Um, most of you probably know where that is. A really small town, about 20 minutes away. When people ask, I usually just say College Station. Time now to credit another classroom champion, and for this week's honor, we head to Iola High School to congratulate Ryan Rennick. Towards the end of my high school athletic career, I wasn't sure where I was going to go, if I wanted to play college football, if I even wanted to give it a try. And being from such a small school, recruiting is a little different there. It's a lot based on publicity and exposure and coming from such a small school that that doesn't really happen. So wrapping up my senior year, I was given the opportunity to walk on at the University of Kansas. So I took a leap, you know, and I just went out and did that. So I, I ended up at Kansas, and when I visited, the reason I went there was because the coach sat me down, he talked to me, he said, you're probably going to be able to play this year. You're going to get some opportunities. You're going to be the third guy on, on the depth chart coming in right away. So when I get there, I've always been someone to accept any role, and I was immediately a scout team guy. So as a scout team guy, for anybody who's ever played college athletics and watching this, Scouting guy, you just put your head down, you work, and you do all the grunt work, work as hard as everybody else without the reward. I went, I was there for two seasons, and I played only a few snaps on special teams at the very end of my second season, which of course is still was great to me. I enjoyed every second of it. It was like dream come true to play Division One football as a guy from Iola, but I just wasn't feeling it anymore. You know, the reward wasn't there, and it just kept coming back home to College Station. Someone kept pulling me back home to College Station. Wanted the Aggie ring, I wanted to go to A&M, and I decided to transfer back to Texas A&M. And at the time, I figured I would just transfer and not play, maybe I'd give it a shot. But when I transferred, I transferred as a normal student. So I came in Texas A&M in the spring of 2018, and I was just a normal student. I was living at home, I was a normal student up through March of that first semester and then I joined the football team. And I didn't know what to expect. I figured I was probably just gonna be the scout team guy again. That was gonna be my role. Uh, but it would still be fun to be part of it. Luckily, Jimbo Fisher had just shown up and there were barely any tight ends on the roster. So right away, I was sort of thrown into the fire and given a lot of opportunities. And just from work alone and just, but they really enjoyed me and were impressed by how I played and everything. So throughout that season, I was given opportunities. I played every game, special teams, and I fought through a knee injury. 
and at the end of that year, I had a knee surgery. I went through the 2019 season and the 2020 season, starting probably four or five games total and in that second tight end role, and I became more of a leader throughout that time. I was lucky to, I caught passes throughout the seasons. I played a big role in blocking in a Orange Bowl winning season, and we finished five in the nation. In the Alabama 17-yard line, in motion goes Anaya Smith, empty backfield and two tight ends. They're both on the right side of the line. Kellen looks right over the middle. He's got a wide open Ryan Reddick for a touchdown. Aggies! A new game and some new hope. Coming from Iola, I never thought that I first that I would even play Division I football. Secondly, that I would be in such an expanded role as that I was at such a huge program, SEC program. It's literally, when you're growing up playing football, you dream of playing, doing what I was doing, and I just had no idea that I would ever be able to do what I did. Well, Ryan's actually here this morning. He's sitting in the back. Could you guys just show him a little bit of appreciation for sharing? <laughs> That's a great story. We're really, really uh, proud of you, uh, Ryan, not just for what you've done on the field, but what you've done off as well. And I, I don't know, I just had this realization this morning. It just kind of hit me. Uh, you have a little bit of Moses in you because he too parted the Red Sea. I don't know if you guys saw that on the... Uh, on the those of you who know that Alabama is the Crimson Tide will get that about 2 o'clock this afternoon, okay? That's good. Hey, let's go ahead and dismiss our children to uh, Kids Praise. Uh, parents, if you want to escort them back there, Sarah and Drew and some others are waiting uh, in the parlor. Uh, if you want to know more about Kids Praise, if you've got a little one, then just make your way on back there and then get you signed in and ready to go. I really appreciate the video. Uh, Kelly Davidson helped put that together, and uh, Ryan, appreciate so much what you've done. I want to make a, another reference to that a little bit later on in our sermon time this morning. Uh, we do have a, a lot of new faces here this morning. I just want to take a little bit of time and just let you know my name is Greg, and I'm one of the ministers on staff here. We're in this sermon series entitled More. And today we are going to be focusing our time on being more than conquerors. If you would like to turn to Romans chapter 8, we'll be looking at those verses here in just um, a few moments. Um, this morning, I want to take a little bit of time to um, just kind of unpack with you at the beginning. This has been kind of a roller coaster week. Can I get an oh yeah? Uh, there've just been so many ups and downs. Not just not just this uh, not just this week, but the past couple of weeks have just really, really been uh, challenging in so many ways. Two weeks ago, I challenged you to uh, just pray one simple prayer again and again. And for our Aggies who are coming back, I want to introduce this to you this morning. As we uh, drew a lesson uh, from Ephesians chapter three, where Paul uh, tells us that. You know, in his prayer now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And we just ask that you pray that prayer when you are feeling overwhelmed or when you're frustrated or when you're in a situation where you're really struggling with the actions of, of someone or, or a situation involving a difficulty of something, just to pray over and over again, Father God, I just humbly pray that you will do more than all we ask or imagine. Last Sunday, I noted that uh, two weeks ago, um, you know, Wednesday, we didn't have any idea how much we were going to be frustrated and how much we were going to be challenged. 
and how difficult of a situation that we were facing. And this coming Wednesday, that was a week ago, this past Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, uh, our nation's capital will once again uh, be the focus of the eyes and the ears of the world. And so I, I just really feel like it would be uh, appropriate for us this morning to just pause and to just pray. Uh, and so if you would please join me in that prayer uh, right now, I, I think um, that the Lord's going to hear and even more uh, hopefully respond in, in powerful ways. Father, we, uh, we pray this morning for healing in our land. Uh, help us, Lord, to be instruments of your peace. Father, to be bridge builders, to love well in Jesus' name. God, we ask for conviction in the hearts of our nation's leaders, regardless of their political affiliation or title or position. God, we would pray that they would turn their eyes and their ears toward you. Father, we pray for our president, and we pray for our president-elect. And may the transition be peaceful. Father, may it be without incident. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray that you will do more than all we ask or imagine. Amen. So as I said, this has really been a roller coaster week. Some of you may be hearing this news for the first time today. If you've been on Facebook in the last little bit, you, you probably saw this and maybe even in our announcement this morning, but our brother Dale Fox uh, passed away yesterday. His health had been declining rapidly over the past uh, several weeks. Uh, Jerry, Susan, uh, I think Phyllis, uh, some other family members were at his side. He passed very, very peacefully. And we have other members of our church uh, who are just really struggling. Uh, hospice is part of the conversation now as they're in those ends of days. Others who are just struggling with different types of illnesses and pressures and stresses. And so church, I just can't just can't say enough, uh, church family, just please be continuing to pray, to lift people up in the name of Jesus. These are just very trying times. But as God always does, in the midst of trying times, he seems to give us glimpses of his glory and reminders that his promises are uh, true um, and shows us what happens when we believe in and when we live out good news. Less than 24 hours ago, right here in this uh, baptistry, James Hallmark baptized Jody Ramirez. And I don't know if Jody is here this morning or not. Not sure, um, but uh, yesterday was a great uh, day of celebration. Uh, he was invited to Bible study, and he participated, uh, John Case and James Hallmark and others in our Christianity 101 class, and over the course of the past several weeks, his heart was just more and more convicted, and so he gave his life to Jesus yesterday and uh, was immersed here. We've had others who've come our way recently who are engaged in Bible study, and so God just keeps showing us again and again, trust my promises Share, share and spread good news and just watch as wonderful things happen. We heard an update yesterday that our sister, Nell, uh, Nell Hart, Hartlieb, her health is, is, is improving slowly but surely. And so, so these are the kinds of things. It's just what we call great news, right? These are the, the types of things that we need to celebrate. And we need to drink deeply from these, these 
these types of good news, these good news reports. Because I got to ask you this morning, is there, is there anybody in here who feels like you're in a boxing ring and there's more than one opponent? Anybody feel like that? Can I get a no? Yeah, yeah. I, I had so many conversations um, lately where people are just worn out. They're COVID tired. They're politics tired. There's just a weariness. So many folks are dealing with sickness, people who are experiencing job insecurity, family issues, and the list just goes on and on. Just this past week alone, I talked with a friend in ministry who just resigned. I had another conversation with a friend in ministry on, uh, on Friday who is just almost at the end of his rope, about, about ready to give up. Um, and so there just seems to be conversations like that going on <laughs> Again and again and again, kind of no matter, no matter what's happening. And um, Paul lets us know, uh, well, through, actually throughout all of Scripture, we, we see this, that, that even though the promises of God are, are sure, it's not necessarily going to be easy. Uh, God has known all along in our humanity that we are going to be challenged. Just a, a handful of verses that I want to share with you. From John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, In this world you will have trouble. James asked a question about that in James chapter 5. Is anyone among you in trouble? And, and, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 12. And so you may be thinking uh, at this point, so where's that good news part again? Um, you know, the good thing is we don't have to look any, any further than Romans chapter 8. And earlier in this chapter, this is one of the richest chapters in all of Scripture, but earlier in Romans chapter 8, Paul tells believers, hey, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He notes in verse 5 that spiritual people are going to desire spiritual things. And later in verse 16 that the Spirit testifies that we are God's children. And Paul knows that we need to hear this. He knows that we need to own it deeply in our hearts because suffering is and it will be part of the equation. So praise God that the Spirit helps us in our weakness, Romans 8, 26. And we know that in all, good, uh, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who've been called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. But wait, Paul says, there's more. So we start there. Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. If you've got your Bibles, please go ahead and follow along with us. Paul <clears throat> begins this section with a question. He asks, what shall we say in response to these things? All of these things that I just mentioned a few moments ago, what we've read previously in Romans 8. What shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us.
separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it's written? For your sake we face death all day long and we are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now these verses reveal the tension within which we live. We are in what many scholars refer to as an already not yet state as believers. And it's possible that you've seen or heard this phrase before. Here's what I mean by that as we think about passages like Romans 8. We are already justified through the blood of Jesus, but we're not yet glorified into our future bodies. We're already clean, but we're not yet free from temptation. We're already redeemed, but we're not yet fully delivered from the trials of this life. And Paul shares with us here a pretty ominous list of what these types of trials are. Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, and these trials are going to come in many forms. For those in his original audience, many of these trials would be literal, as people would actually give their lives for Jesus. For others, the trials may have been more indirect, but they still were very painful, very difficult to endure. Some of us experience these trials in various forms even today, and Paul knew this. Jesus knows this. And so the Holy Spirit prompts Paul to ask five questions in this text. And I think these five questions are worthy of review this morning. The first is this. So what then will we say in response to these things? Romans 8, 31, the first part of that verse. Paul is asking here, when you, when you think about all that God has done in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, what's your response? How, how are you going to respond to that? As you dwell on the goodness of God, the richness of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit. And he immediately answers that question by asking another question. If God is for us, who can be against us? This is one of those questions that is so obvious. The answer is so obvious. If God is for us, who can be against us? I mean, it's, it's so obvious. It's like the old joke from Steve Martin. A day without sunshine is, you know, like night. I mean, okay, I mean, it's just, it's just so incredibly obvious. But let's take that question, if God is for us, who can be against us, and let's make it a statement. If God is for us, no one can be against us. Now, church, I want you to say that out loud with me. If God is for us, no one can be against us. Paul's not finished. He keeps asking 
questions. He says, how will God not also, along with Jesus, graciously give us all things? He's been focused here on what God has done and what he's doing in Christ. And now he makes this very subtle shift pointing to the future. The language turns to how the father-son partnership plays out in grace as all things here represent the culmination of a faith-filled life. He's not talking about more stuff. He's talking about more substance. It's not about more goods. It's about the goodness of God. And as powerful as these answers are, Paul isn't done He asks next, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? And his response to this question is brief, but it's very, very powerful. It is God who justifies. It makes no difference what Satan throws at you, and he will throw lots at you. Sometimes it's going to be a very direct assault. Sometimes it's going to be very stealthy. But none of the lies of Satan stick If we don't accept the charge, we may be charged by Satan, but hear me, we are chosen by God. We may be charged by Satan, but we're chosen by God. And even as I say that, you may think about your past and you may feel shame or guilt. You might even be depressed when you contemplate decisions that you've made in the past. But I want you to notice the very next question in Q. Who then is the one who condemns? And I think the answer to this question may be my favorite answer in all of the questions that are ever asked in Scripture. Who who then condemns? And what does Paul say? If you got your Bibles open, say it with me. No one. No one. And I love as Paul just, it's, it's all God. It's all God. He follows that up then with one of the most powerful questions, I think, in all of Scripture. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? And he also could have asked who or what. What is inferred because of the list that comes next? Remember the list? Is trouble going to separate us? Is it going to be a a hardship of some sort, or when you're persecuted, do you start to back away at that point and and start to trust yourself more than you trust Father? Is it famine, not just food, but maybe we're waiting for that next job to come, or we're in a relationship famine right now, or or maybe it is a, a, a physical famine that we experience. Nakedness, when we're exposed for the whole world to see, when our sin is just out there, or our choice are just out there on display, or a failure of some sort. Danger, sword, any of these things, is that what's going to derail us from the love of God? I want you to notice what Paul says. He says, no. In all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us us. Church, to realize this, to own this deep in our hearts and to draw strength from it, we can't stand on the sidelines and wait for somebody else to come along and move us to action. We have got to decide to be participants. There's a time 
when parents say to their children, I love you, now get out of my house, okay? There's a time when parents say that to their children. And, and, the, and the point is not to say that to harm their children. The point is to launch their children out into a context where they can pay forward that which was poured into them. Well, I'm, I'm waiting on the preacher. I'm, I'm waiting on the elders. I'm waiting on this to happen, or I'm waiting on that to happen. I just want to tell you this morning, stop waiting on someone else to do something and get out there and do something. You are not victims. You are more than conquerors. So get out there and get into the lives of people who are victims. Those who have been ravaged by Satan. And help them become more than conquerors as well. Through the power of Jesus Christ. Earlier we saw this video testimony from Ryan. And I have a hunch he didn't just walk out onto the field and tap Jimbo on the shoulder and say, Hey, I'm I'm pretty good at this. You want to give me a shot? You know, he had to practice Hours and hours of blood and sweat and tears to make the cut. He also had to give to the team while trusting other team members to do their part. And this takes discipline. And it takes perseverance. And it takes effort. This is Martin Luther King weekend. More than two dozen people gathered this past Friday night at the Lincoln Recreation Center to celebrate Martin Luther King Jr.'s life and his legacy during the 37th annual Martin Luther King Keeping the Dream Alive celebration, an annual event right here in Brazos County. To achieve that dream that King outlined in his most famous speech, Brandon Jakes, who some of you know, Uh, A former Lincoln Recreation Center staff member said there were three things that Martin Luther King and his followers committed to and had to remember. And those three things are plan with the purpose, trust the process, and practice patient persistence. These are admirable traits, but not just admirable. These became core values that help bring equality and justice to tens of thousands, ultimately millions of people worldwide. I think these are traits that are transferable to the road before us, spiritually speaking. Scholar Douglas Moo describes it this way, it is by committing ourselves anew to the life of devotion, prayer, scripture reading, Christian fellowship, that we enable the Spirit to have this ministry of assurance in our hearts, but we can't do that on the sidelines. we got to commit. For those of you who are married, on your wedding day, when you were asked, do you, and then fill in the blank, how many of you responded, "Um, I might? Anybody? 
I have a hunch that every single one of us who asked that question, we replied, what? I do. We made a vow. We made a commitment. It's you and me, baby, across the breakfast table every morning until death takes one of us. Marriages get in trouble when one partner stops saying, I choose you, and starts saying what? I choose me, right? Right? Church, choose Jesus. Every day, choose Jesus. Until this pandemic is over, choose Jesus. After this pandemic is over, choose Jesus. You are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loves you. No matter what happens, don't forget that promise. And don't forget the price that was paid to make that promise true. I want to leave you this morning with a little exercise that will hopefully help put this passage on and into your hearts. I want you to put your name in the following blanks when you see these verses pop on green. What then will, and this is where I need you to put your name, what will you, Amy, what will you, Lindsay, what will you, Kent, what do you say in response to these things? If God is for John, who can be against John? How long will God not also along with Jesus graciously give? Put your name here. All things. Ask yourself that question. Who will bring any charge against whom God has chosen? Who then is the one who condemns? Who shall separate? And Boy, is it important to put your name in this one. From the love of Christ. You. Through Jesus, are more than conquerors. Don't forget that this week. And as we go out and we interact with people, let that promise of God wash over us again and again and again as we become uh, difference makers in the lives of those whose paths we cross.